Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff text me 949-415-6256 please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book the comprehensive guide to clinical research it's been selling really well getting very well received by the community thank you guys so much for that also check out the youtube member page join this channel to get perks that's my youtube uh, membership it's 10 bucks a month you get a monthly mastermind exclusively it's a zoom call every month with other youtube members uh, you also get weekly videos exclusive to the youtube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences so check that out really means a lot to me and thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show Guru Nation, welcome back to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. This one's special, right? The hardcore, the the day one Guru Nation people, you guys know Jay Pitts. Jay was an oncology CRA, one of the first CRAs I've ever interviewed on this podcast. Jay, like, they used to be scared until Jay came through and changed that mold. There's no, no need to be afraid. Jay came through, shed so much light on this industry from the perspective of a coordinator, then a CRA. Well, guess what, guys and gals? Right now, you see behind Jay, Clincept, our clinical, your concept. He's been a side owner for about a year and a half, almost two years. And he's been making noise, waves, getting success. And we're just going to unpack a lot of that stuff. Because I'm in that same boat. Again, I put myself back to a startup founder where you can see behind me lab kits. Like, this is my office. I'm the coordinator. The budget, everything. It's uh comes through me, biz dev. Yeah. So, Jay, I know you live that life too. And you're about a year ahead of me, actually, because I started this about six months ago. Um, and you're a year and six months into it. So this will be a fun one for me too, because I get to pick your brain, ask you questions. How'd you do it, Jay? But <laughs> first of all, Jay, let's talk about why. Why would a very successful CRA that can name their their job, right? Name your salary. Why would you do this? The, the enemy of great is good enough. Why didn't that? Why why didn't you become a victim of good enough? Man, first and foremost, I am ecstatic to be back here with my brother. <laughs> the West Coast, 
That's I, right. Yeah, I, I'm glad to be back, man. This, you know, when we get together, it's always good content. So always, um, man. Yeah, man. So I I did the whole career path. You know, don't have any research experience. You get some research experience as a coordinator. You climb as a CRA. Um, you kind of build your reputation as a CRA. Work for several different industries till you get to the point where you become, you know, an uh, expert in oncology, so to speak. Um, oncology is kind of like the cream of the crop in a uh, CRA world. And yeah. uh, I did that, got some good experience. Um, and then, you know, I'm a climber. That's what I do. I climb. And uh, I felt like there was still more for me to obtain. It was still more ways for me to grow. Um, and ultimately, my my goal, my vision has always uh, been to obtain, you know, autonomy, honestly. You know, I want to be as, as independent as I can and to affect or impact the industry as much as I can before, you know, I decide to hang up the cleats. So, you know, um, it, it's a new chapter in my life. Um, God has definitely graced us and blessed us. And um, as Dan mentioned, it's been about a year and a half, approaching two years. And, you know, it's been a wild journey, but we're certainly growing. Uh, a, lot, a lot has happened since this last interview, which was special. Uh, and I'm, I'm ready to, to talk about it. So let's go, man. <laughs> Absolutely, Jay. Thank you so much. How long ago was that? Do you remember? Because I know oh, it feels I, like it wasn't that long ago, but it must have been a, like a few years. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. It was a couple years ago. Um, yeah, I was. It, it was a great interview. You know, a lot of good uh, back and forth. Um, and at that time, you know, me, and you were talking, and I was telling you, you know, I mentioned you. I said, "Man, you know, I'm thinking about doing something in terms of uh, uh, maybe starting to either, you know, looking into the CRO world." Or, you know, um, a site. And my man said, Jay, you need to check out this site life. I said, all right, gotcha. <laughs> site life. I'm glad you did. A CRO life is tough, CRO. Yeah. But that, yeah. yeah, that there's there's a way to do it. But I think you need yeah. to be a tech-minded tech first. Like, if that's really the only way you're going to compete. But that's a whole other podcast. But, Jay, you said two things earlier. You said... You wanted to create timing, so you didn't want your success to necessarily be dependent, your financial success to be dependent on your time necessarily. Right. right. And CRAs, you know, they they have a lot of financial success, but it's 100% their time. There's no way they could leverage the time. I mean, maybe if you're a fancy CRA and you're a contractor, you hire an assistant to do your trip reports or your, your billing uh, little things, right? Right. But it's still you're not removing yourself from your hours and then the output you get, which is your revenue. Right. Um, and you said you wanted to impact as many people as possible, or more people than than possible, as being a CRA. So site owner is really the way to do that. But what was it, what is it about your mindset? Were you always thinking this way, like? As far as you can remember, like when did you have this shift? Because most CRAs don't think like this. Well, I tell you, man. It's, so it's a lot of things that you said. Um, so, so I've always been one. So I, I tell my boys, I say this all the time. I got two boys, and I say, listen, y'all, you only get one life. There's no reset button. 
There's no start over. There's no do over. You only get one life. So make the most out of that life. And so that's something that I live by. And so I knew that, you know, being a CRA, I had a, I had obtained and achieved goals that, you know, people in my family prior had not achieved. I had reached numbers and financial success that we haven't seen in, in, in the Pitts family. And so, I, you know, I was certainly proud of that. But um, when you're a climber, you're a climber, you know, and, and that's and that's who I am. And so um, you, 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 you're right, man. As a CRA, uh, you, uh, the CRAs that's going to listen to this and even the coordinators that might not have been exposed to this, you guys will be familiar with this as CRAs and they call you site managers. You manage the site. You're a site manager, but you're never the boss. And that's, it's, a, it's a huge, clear line in between that. And as uh, Dan uh, referred to, yeah, you, you definitely are restricted by the time. And you, make, you can make really, really good salaries, um, but you're, not, you're never going to work 40 hours a week. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, I, you know, I, now, I have friends that are kind of went out and uh, you know, they're taking these contracts and stuff like that which is great. And I started to go down that road, but at the same time, you know, the trade-off was even more time, you know? And so I, I felt like my time after a while, the time became a little bit more valuable than just the numbers. Um, the numbers were great. Um, and it was nice being in demand for once companies reaching out to you, recruiters reaching out to you constantly. Um, but I mean, you're, you're giving up 60. I mean, you're coming in the door that they're, they're asking you, Hey, you're good with traveling 70% and you got to be okay with it. You know, that's, that's kind of the nature of the beast. And, and 70% nowadays is like, you know, that's like very reasonable. Um, and in terms of impact, man, just real quick, just to unpack that. Um, I just, I did this presentation and we had a, uh, uh, an emerging business, um, um, competition here in Columbus about a year ago, and um, my company won in the city of Columbus, um, and it was really cool. But my presentation was based off of the disparity of minority participants in research compared to um, uh, the predominant Caucasian uh, community, mm-hmm. and and it's especially African Americans and Hispanics as well. Man, it's it's, it's crazy. And one of the things that I did in my research is that I found out um, is that less than 5% of clinical research participants are African-Americans, you know, and we're talking about drugs that's going to impact the physiological aspects, the, the, the psychological aspects, probably, you know, just the whole, we're going to push a drug that is going to be targeted to the entire population, you know, and minorities, especially African-Americans don't represent 5% of the entire population. Right. So it was important for me to get into an area that, or do something that I can impact my community specifically. And uh, we've been about that, man. This We did a, a medical device study, Dan, I'll share this with you, a uh, medical device study. And I can and I can say, man, 85% of our participants were African-American. Very proud of that. That's something that um, I'm glad you brought up. Um, obviously, that's a huge issue in the industry. But what the industry's done, it's not just, the underrepresentation, and this is especially for African Americans. Um, and then, if you want to take it to Africa, you know, Africans. Right. Uh, they've been. I mean, Tuskegee. Everybody knows, yep. right? Um, there's been a lot of funny business with HIV research in both African American community in the United States 
as well as in Africa itself. So it's not just underrepresentation. It's deeper than that. And I think those communities, they know that because word of mouth travels fast. So thousand percent as an African-American dealing with African-American patients, do you get those hesitations from the community? Absolutely. Heck, I have them. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do they you say? Know, what do they say? Do they bring up Tuskegee or what do they say? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Tuskegee, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm in Georgia. I mean, we're, we're neighbors with Alabama. So, I mean, and that's not far away. So I hear that, you know, all the time. Um, and, and here's the thing, man. Again, I, I live for the challenge. And so I'm, and I'm, I'm passionate about my community at the same time. So, yes, it comes out. Uh, you, you mentioned HIV, but I mean, you talk about exploitation in general, Henrietta Lacks, the, the healer cells. There's a lot of different uh, cases in our history where African-Americans, you know, for lack of a better word, probably have been exploited um, as research subjects. And it's, it's, a, it's a black eye in history. Um, however, it's certainly uh, an issue and a topic that we need to face head on. And we strive to do that. And that's one of the pillars within clinical, uh, CLINCEP, excuse me. Uh, we stand on three pillars, Dan. The first pillar, obviously, is clinical research. But the second pillar, and these other two are just as important, the second pillar, pillar is medical education. Third pillar is community engagement. And the thing about it is the, the biggest problem is you can't go to, um, I'm, I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak directly now. You can't go to an African-American and say, hey, come be a research patient in the trial. It's not going to work because there's generations and generations of distrust of, uh, of, of, of just built up white coat syndrome that we, we, we label it, but it's, Hey, this happened to my, my uncle, this happened to my grandfather, this happened to, and, and these are situations that, that can't be ignored. And, and the only way to reconcile them is to face them head on. So what we do a great job of is not just recruiting subjects, it's educating subjects. Uh, ex- explaining to them why we do it, what this is, is about, but not even the not even the the study itself, but the topic, right? So we talked a little bit. Uh, if there was, we had a, a study. Uh, we had a, a group of people that you know dealt with lupus. You know, we'll get somebody. You know, we get one of these doctors, specialists in there to talk about lupus, arthritis, the same thing. It doesn't matter. So we do a good job of trying to educate our patients outside of clinical trials, which is just as important. And when you get known in the community for, for doing that, then people are a little bit more reluctant, uh, uh, excuse me, the, the people are a little bit more uh, willing to, to give it an opportunity. And so that's why we've had the numbers and the success that we've had with African-American populations, man. Yeah, no, congrats to you. I've always said, and I've always thought, you know what, if we can get more minorities working in the space, and I yeah. think there's a lot of groups like um, Black Women in Clinical Research is one that comes to mind that actually inspired us to do Latinos in Clinical Research uh, for yeah. the same reason. Like, let's get more. If we want more members of those communities in studies, we need to get more people like Jay, entrepreneurs right. in the space, African-American minority entrepreneurs, clinicians, PIs, sub right. coordinators, doesn't hurt for CRAs as well. Right. With that being said, though, are you on LinkedIn? You go on LinkedIn, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And link to Jay's LinkedIn underneath the show notes uh, for everybody to go connect. 
you must see, like, sometimes, I'm just going to keep it real, okay? Like, from pharma and from CRO, a lot of virtue signaling, like, oh, this is what we do for patients, patient centricity. Or, you know, we need more, we need more diversity in the space. But in actuality, very little is being done by those groups where we have some action is at the smaller groups, like the grassroots, like people like Adam Brown with ClinArc, Daniel Co with Black Women in Clinical Research, you with ClinCept, I mean, on the, on the, like the local level sites, you know, people like you, what is your thoughts on industry's response to this? I got a stand for it. Uh, lots of plans, very little solutions. <laughs> That's actually true. Lots yeah. of plan planning. They've been yeah. planning for for decades. Yeah, I mean anybody can go in and write, you know, um, a, a fifteen page, you know, plan strategy, white um, paper, write white paper on how to attack it. But it's very a lot of these proposed plans. Number one, our solutions, and number two, our hands off. And so, right. you know, you, you have to, again, you have to not only confront the problem, but you have to go to the communities and listen. Find out what the real issues are. It can't be, oh, um, they have a problem. Here, let's do a 15-page white paper on how to address their problem. That doesn't work. You know, right. when, especially when we're talking about intrinsic issues like distrust, you know, or, you know, just uh, apathy. You know, and the, and the apathy that stems from, you know, generational issues. So, no, it's the only way to do it is to get out here and, and have real conversations. And the thing about it that that's frustrating, it, it, it's kind of ironic, right? Because when you get out there and have real conversations, you're doing research, <laughs> you know, but the, uh, so it's kind of ironic. But the thing about it, man, it requires people that can see people beyond just a subject number or subject ID. And, and have a desire to really want to change the industry, you know, and not just try to, you know, always say, oh, let, you know, let's do everything we can to get this drug approved. You know, it's, it, we, we have to be about real change. Well, I'm glad you brought up. I'm glad you brought that up because we would we would have just talked business the whole time. But I think it's important to bring up this diversity. Obviously, it's a hot topic in the industry, but it's you're actually one that's doing something about it. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm not surprised that you are successful um, when it comes to making an impact in your community. So let's talk about that. Yeah. When did you decide, all right, I'm going to start a site and I'm not going to be a CRA anymore? Because that's when you make it official. Or was there a transition period where you were doing both? Yeah. So I went through a little tough time, man. I lost my uh, my dad. Uh, my stepdad, but he's, he's like my dad, like, um, to, to COVID. Um, wow. And My yeah, I appreciate that brother. And when that happened, man, I, I took some time off, off of my, my CRA job and, um, I tried to go back and, and mentally, uh, it was extremely tough, um, with this whole new pandemic life. And then, you know, caring for my mother, uh, and then, you know, you know, it's just other personal stuff. So that was that was a point where I kind of took some time to reflect. Like, 
and I, well, my own my own personal mantra kind of hit me back in the face. Jay, you only get one life. Yeah. You know, I prayed about it, uh, um, and I talked to my wife about it. I was like, babe, you know, I know we're we're good. It took us some time to get here, but I really want to do this. And my my rock said, you know, hey, you know, this is what you feel. Um, I'm I'm behind you 100. percent um, and you know, that kind of freed me up, um, because, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult to try to work off two laptops and try to be a two people, you know, it's, 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 it's a difficult life, man. So, yeah. um, and that's just being real. Um, but the, the thing about it, man, is I, I took the plunge. Um, uh, it was extremely tough. I emptied out my, my, my savings, my bank account, um, took out a, a small loan. Um, and I said, you know, if it fails, it fails, but you know, you won't know until you try, you know? And so, um, I've been running ever since, man. It's been about 18 months or so. Did it give you more confidence knowing that, okay, you're on college CRA. So even if you were to lose it all, you can just go back to any job yep. whenever you want it. And, and I'm, I didn't see it, you know, cause sometimes when you're in the situation, you're, you 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 don't see your solutions. My wife said it though. She's like, "All this fails, you know. You just go get another CRA job." Smart wife, you get yeah. there, man. You get it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you telling me, and so I'm like, "You're right. You're right." Because I'm thinking about you know how I'm gonna make payroll, how I'm gonna get the studies, how I'm gonna get the doctors, how I'm gonna get the you know all, all of this stuff, man. Employees, and so you know, at that point, it was just you know. The climb is one step in front of the other, you know. So what, how did, okay, so you had this idea. Did you have a doctor in mind? Um, what was that like? How many did you have to go through until you got one to agree to work with you? Great uh, question, Dan. I'm going to throw this out there because I need everybody to hear this. Starting a company is messy. It's, get that in your head right now. It's never going to be. It's never going to be step one. Do 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 do. Wait, step so two. it's not like a CRA where you have a SOP manual telling nope. you how to do how to act in every situation. Right. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it's not at all. You know what it's like. If it's like anything with a CRA, it's like catching a flight home <laughs> when it get <laughs> when it get canceled and you got to rebook the next flight. That's what it's like. It's messy, man. <laughs> Good analogy. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, so I had a plan. You know, you do your business plan and you make it as eloquent and you can draw pictures and illustrations and all this crap on it. You can write the, the, the six-month, 12-month, you know, 24, 36-month uh, forecast, projections, revenue, all of that stuff. It's still messy. And you can have, uh, you know, pre-agreements with these doctors that yeah yeah i'm interested yeah yeah all you got to do is start it i'm there with you i got you i got and it's messy um everything changes um and it changes really really quickly because your priorities aren't necessarily their priorities right yeah. so um that that's something i, I learned kind of quickly um i had doctors that that were interested um i've worked with doctors for some time um on on both sides so i knew quite a few doctors um, you probably can tell I'm very relational. Like, I, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I just like good people. That's, that's just who I am. Um, and I value relationships. So I had that working from, I had a good database to start from. 
And, you know, you get a good doctor, you get a good doctor population, patient population, excuse me. You know, and with my my uh, with my uh, contacts I had built up in the industry, I felt very good about it. But that savings account depleted real quick. <laughs> fast. <laughs> real fast, man. What did you like? I mean, okay, it was depleted on just your own personal expenses or are you investing in the business? Like what? where did that money go? So both. Um, and mostly, so you, you have to use some obviously to, to, to pay the mortgage, to you know, to keep the, the, the household stuff going. Mm. But, you know, you also have to, you know, now you have a space that you need. It's very, very difficult for me to work out of my house because I found that I'm uh, extremely less productive working out of my house than in an office setting. Mm. Uh, and then at the same time, you have to be tactical and, and you have to have strategy. You have to prepare for it now, but you also have to be thinking about the future as the visionary. You always have to. One doesn't supersede the other. And so you have to, you know, make a life for now and have be thinking about later. And a lot of times that requires bringing in another set of hands and eyes and perspective. And so that's a payroll that the minute you introduce some, somebody else, that's a payroll because you're not really going to be paying yourself. <laughs> you know, it just right. doesn't happen. Um, and so I, let me throw it out to you. Yeah. No, you're not going to begin to paycheck early on. Just accept it. At least a um, year, if not. More. Right. Exactly. And, you know, so start introducing people. And then every time you get a, a perspective study or even if you get a study, then, hey, do I have the equipment for that study? You know, I got interested in Nash studies real quick. And I realized I got disinterested in Nash studies real quick, too. And I realized how much that fibro scan costs. So, yeah, seriously. Yeah. So it's little stuff like that. You know, you, you try to catch low hanging fruit, something that can kind of get you, you know, to survive, um, leverage your relationships. That's why, you know, it's in good and it's really important to be a, you know, try to be a good person and not burn bridges wherever you go. Leverage those relationships, uh, leverage, make friends in the industry um, and make that sure it's a two way. Don't always come with your hand out. Make sure you can be accessible when people need you as well. Um, it's just, I mean, utilize your relationships, build a community and, and, and cherish that community. So you got you got your first doctor interested. You, did you know this doctor before, like as a CRA, you knew this doctor? So the first three no's I got, I knew these doctors. And they well, were the previous. first three no's. Yep. The first doctor I actually got, I had no idea who he was. And so I had to go on one of those search engines and find me a physician and basically plead with this guy to give me a chance. Wow. As a, as a, <laughs> Did you yep. did you use LinkedIn or you just Google? It was more of one of those NDs. I can't even think of what uh, one of those type of search like uh, job things or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But but it was one of those where and you know there there are uh, examples out there when when hospitals and stuff are, re- are kind of recruiting for their physicians. You can kind of do a skeleton of that. Obviously, it's not going to be anywhere sim- the same. Wow. Um, because the research compensation structure is completely different than like a hospital physician. So because you're in the same type of community as mine, I think like Columbus, I've never been there, but from what I imagine, it's somewhat similar to you, man, like a small town. A lot of the doctors are um, either hospital employees, right? Yep. Yep. So you were going, because that's something I haven't done yet because mainly because I don't have my own office. Um, I haven't gone to the hospital. 
to recruit their doctors, but you're saying a lot of those doctors that work for the hospitals also want to do research on the side. No, no, not that. No, what I'm saying is I went to the search engines, like the, the employment search engines. And I, what I did is I created my own little job description, but I used like job descriptions that hospitals will post. Ah, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And so the first doctor that I got to say yes, he was private practice. He, he wasn't a hospital physician. Um, a lot of, we have in here, Columbus, we have two main hospitals and one of them um, is very difficult to work with the doctors inside the hospitals because the way their contracts are written. So yeah. you're probably familiar with that. Um, Not yet, but I can but, imagine they're like that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, it's difficult. Um, I have. Uh, a few doctors that I've, I've spoken with and say, you know, the time's not right. I'm interested, but the time's not right due to my fulfilling my contract, you know. And so, again, it's, it's that. And, and that was the case with one of them for sure that was interested from the beginning. But when you start going and doing pulling up the contract, you start seeing all of these clauses in there that just kind of shuts it down before it even really gets started. So it's a, it's a lot of failure. It's a lot of failure. Uh, I had a great conversation with a guy today that gave me some ideas um, um, on, uh, on how to take uh, approach it in terms of like maybe even hiring a sales rep, you know, and paying him on commission for, yeah. you know, doctor. And that's something that's new for me that I'm, I'm certainly considering. Um, but again, for me, I'll say this for me, my biggest bottleneck is my physicians, my physician pool. And I think for most of of the individual starting out, if you desire, desire to be a site owner, I will say this, get to know the doctors in your communities. I've, mm -hmm. I've known a lot of them and I still don't feel like I know enough. So get to know your doctors. They make and break everything to me. Mm -hmm. I think in the uh, more of the underserved communities, because I've always lived in big cities like LA, Anaheim, Orange mm -hmm. County, the doctor there's so many doctors there that the salaries are competitive meaning they don't get paid as much as they do in like these communities where i'm at i imagine where columbus as well these are underserved community they have to incentivize doctors to come there's yeah. doctors here that live in orange county that come here ah. just to work there's doctors that fly into yuma from other states just to work four days a week and then fly back so like for me that was one of the challenges was like the money because yeah. in orange county la you know like an extra six figures a year to doctors meaningful here a little less meaningful it's still meaningful no matter where you are but yeah less less so so not just the smaller pool but the demand for their services is greater here so really kind of at a disadvantage also in yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Um, okay, so you got your first one to say yes. This was someone you did not know before. Right. And he said, I assume it's a he. Yep. He said, uh, you're going to have to get your own space. No, no, huh? no. I moved in with him. Wow. Okay. I moved in with him. I worked out a really good contract. Um, and it, again, to me, and I'll say this about all, and it's just another really good tool, uh, tip. I hope y'all are listening. This is another really good relationship. They better be listening. Man, relationships are key, y'all. Relationships are key. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because 
um, I worked out a really good deal with my doctor who was gracious enough to give me time to get established. Because um, when I explained to them in detail how this can be profitable to them, however, being a, a new doc, you know, a new relationship, it would take a, a little bit of time. He was absolutely on board. But the key was two things. It was my relationship with him, respecting who he was and, and really going out above to be as transparent as possible. Uh, even in my shortcomings and, and, and my, you know, that as well as um, my ability um, to just keep it real with them, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of the transparency thing. They really, you know, latched onto that. And so build relationships and cherish relationships. It's almost the same setup I had here. Like where I'm sitting is not my office. We're not renting. We're not to the point where we can rent our own space yet. Um, but the doctor here, I found him before we moved. It was through LinkedIn. Yep. And um, my wife actually helped. She mapped out like all the doctors. So I just messaged all of them on LinkedIn, LinkedIn Premium. He didn't reply. Three months. He re took three months to reply because he said wow. he doesn't check LinkedIn that often. So I forgot I messaged him. Yeah. He replied, said, yeah, I'm interested. Let's do a Zoom. The next week I'm out here looking at his office. I said, yeah, this will work. Put me anywhere. We'll get you studies. And then we had like from July till October. So July, August, September, like three, four months. Yep. There's no studies, right? You're just right. like in his office. There's no real reason to go. Right. But I went at least once a week to keep touch with him, have touch right. points because right. I don't want him to say yes. And then I don't do anything until we get a study three months later. He might forget who I am. Right. Then. Right. Right. So every week I would come and do touch points, like five minute meeting, 10 minute meeting. And then that naturally progressed into, okay, our first site selection visit. Now I'm staying more. Now I'm pre-screening. So it sounds right. very similar, uh, right. what you're saying to what I did as well. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. Awesome. I think people need to understand that because they think, okay, I'm going to get the doctor. He's going to say yes. And then everything's going to be fine. <laughs> After that, really? it's like, like you said in the interview, their priorities are not the same as your priorities. Right. right. And building a business is messy. I can't stress that enough. Mm -hmm. It really is. Mm -hmm. So, how long did it take to get your first study from when the doctor said yes? Oh, man. So, if he said yes in August, my first study it was very similar to yours. Um, we did our, our PSV. In early November, no, late October, and then we we initiated. Uh, was it? The, it was like the tenth or the fourteenth or something like that in November. So it was a couple months. Um, How did you, you get know, that study? Like, what people don't understand, they don't just fall out of the sky because you say you have a site. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> there's there's several ways to do it, and you know, um, I think I told the listeners in this last video, y'all. I'm gonna try to be as helpful as I can. And I said that, man, and I got a lot of responses. Uh, but, you know, I, I understand the struggle, and I try to help as much as I can to be transparent. There's there's SMOs out there that can help with uh, getting studies. Uh, but the biggest, well, that's one of the other way to do it is clinicaltrials.gov. That's what everybody tells you. That's really hit and miss for me, I'm going to be honest. Uh, but for me, I think the easiest, the, e the most efficient way for me has been to leverage my relationships in the industry. And so as LinkedIn? a CR, uh, LinkedIn, not secondary, primary is to the places I've worked. 
And so, or, or the people that I've met, the other CRAs that I've met on the road. So your sphere of influence. Absolutely. So you're hitting them up. Jay, you do a good job at that, man. I got it. Now that you mentioned that, I'm thinking about all the times you text me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Jay's out here hustling right now. That's good. By the way, we need to network more because now we say owners on different coasts. We got out each other out. So I'm definitely, you're in my sphere of influence for sure. Um, That's good that you brought that up. So your sphere of influence. And then how did like CRAs, let's say you used to work with a CRA and she, let's say she still works as a CRA. Mm-hmm. So what does she say when you call or text and say, hey, you know, I got a site. Can I get a study? Most of them will say, well, I don't have something now, Jay, but, you know, in the future maybe. Well, they're on the road doing something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they get paid to do something, and, you know. So if they say, yeah, man, we're out here. You know, I have to go to this site. I'm doing a, a PSV over here or SIV over here. I'm like, really? What, are you, what, what indication? You know, asking those type of questions. Ah, okay. And so here's the thing. And, and all my CREs know this too. CRE game is a, t- a high turnover game. So you yes. may start one, one uh, a pharmaceutical or a CRO, uh, but e- either some, you're going to get a better offer. Because I tell you, those recruiters, call, they're still calling me to this oh, day. They're going to blow you up. Either that or, you know, they, you're going to get overworked at the place where you are, you know, and be like, you know, I, just go find a better. So it's it's really high turnover. Thirsty. So thirsty. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had one CRA, the one who did the SSV here. She said, um, she like this SSV is my last day here. So you know you'll get the study, but this is you have a new eye. I said, well, who are you going with? She said a recruiter kept calling. I kept telling them I'm not interested because I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. This is what she said. The recruiter told her verbatim. How much will it take for you to no longer be happy with where you're at? Wow. Like that. <laughs> wow. That's how thirsty they are right I now. Can believe it, I can believe it. Yeah, I can believe it. And I say the same thing. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm actually, you know, I kind of bought out from the CRA life a week later, a week and a half later. <laughs> hey, you know, we got this opportunity. I'm like, nah. So, you know, you just leverage those, man. Let your friends, let your friends be, you know, just extensions. Let those guys be the ones that are introducing you to the new CROs and and pharmaceutical companies. I see. So let's say in this hypothetical, you call an old colleague and she's like, oh, Jay, it's all good. You know, I got an asthma study right now. Um, These site selection, these site initiations are driving me crazy. What do you say if that's like, let's say you want an asthma study. What do you say? Like, how do I get this? Right. So if it's a friend of mine, I'd be like, hey, who's the project manager on it? Okay. Okay. You know, who's who's running the study? Because the project manager either has to say so or they can point you in the direction of who has to say so. Mm-hmm. And typically, if it's a friend of yours or somebody that knows you well, they'll vouch for you. And so, you know, a, a lot of times, man, it's just really connecting on, on that human element saying, oh, this guy right here, he's a good guy. He's, you know, and so... Um, I've had opportunities I've had to pass up because I, like I was speaking before this, um, a dermatology opportunity, I passed it up because I, you yeah. know, I didn't have a dermatologist, but it's a lot of times, man, just getting in there and, and, uh, allowing your network or your sphere of influence to, to work for you. So okay. those projects are a key, a key. Okay. So that's the first, the first challenge is getting the doctor. The next challenge, getting that study. Right. Um, then becomes either hiring or finding patients. I 
I prefer going finding the patients first, then hiring. I try to hire last, mainly because I've been a coordinator, so I can do it. Right. Um, was that your strategy too? Like that's a really good question. I'm gonna throw this back at you. I actually hired first, and the reason why I tell you the reason why I hired first because it did two things for me. Now that I'm paying money out, it made me kick myself in a whole nother gear. Number one. Yeah, that'll <laughs> definitely. <laughs> number one. Number well, three reasons. Number two, it forced me to what I talked about: prepare for now and prepare for later. And three, it allowed me to build systems for when the study came. So I did not have to be the coordinator as much. And so now I have somebody when that study comes is literally I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to be the beta guy for you. So I'm going to do the PSV. I'll do the SIV. You're going to sit there and watch it, but you're going to hear them say exactly what I told you they were going to say because I've done it so much. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then, because I've been a coordinator, you're going to know exactly what to do. Now, you're going to make mistakes. You know, you're going to make errors and stuff like that because, you know, it, it comes with the job. But at the same time, your learning curve is going to be a lot less because you've been with me so long and I've reinforced the same principles all the time. The most critical documents, the four visits, like what did that look like? What, is it, what, what are the elements that... Uh, what what are the compliance issues? What's you know protocol deviations? These elements that they're, they're not going to be just acronyms and terms to you. You're going to know what they are, whether we have a study or not. And so it, it was a stretch. You know, you're seeing that money come out, come out your account every two weeks. But you know, once that study came, man, study. The reason why I said it because study recruitment. You know, I got it back in study recruitment. Are you doing the recruiting, or is it? Did you hire one coordinator? Yeah. Well, I have three coordinators now. Now you have three, but you, so you initially hired one and then you were doing, were you doing the recruiting or, or you had the coordinator do it? So I, I, it's basically, I niched, I niched it out. So I gave them one specific task. This is going to be your niche. This is what you're going to do. And I I will do uh, something like recruiting, right? But because we spent so much time prepping on what a coordinator looks like, um, the the system part, the schedule of events wasn't as tough because it was more or less, I'm following the set of instructions. I know how to prepare for a visit. I'm not coming in. Let me say this too. Don't let your coordinators come in 30 minutes before, uh, 15 minutes before a visit. When a patient gets there, they need to be prepped for that visit way before an advance because it, it makes your time more efficient. Um, and I believe in efficiency. So uh, the visits are already prepped. And so they have that additional time because it's the, the visit is going to run seamless. They have that additional time to recruit. So now I can move to step two, which is, OK, this is what patient recruiting looks like. These are the sources that of, of recruiting that we use. And this is how we approach each type of, of recruiting source. And so my coordinators now, all three of them, and I have one that's a lead coordinator, um, all came in with zero experience. I've trained them individually. I invested my time to train them individually. And now my lead coordinator is the one that's responsible for training them. Wow. So you've, you, you basically built the system out. Are you using a e-source or paper source? Uh, e-source. And e -source. so I'm with, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, um, Creo? I, I started, I'm with Creo brother. Okay. And so, um, yeah, that came from a, a good friend of mine, Elaine, up in Atlanta. Shout out to my friend up in Atlanta. 
Um, and um, uh, I got, and so I started with paper, but we we moved to to uh, Creo, and I smart, it's, I love smart, it. love smart it. move. Yeah. I used Creo from the beginning. I lied. I did hire someone very part time. She's a CRC yeah. Academy graduate um, to do e-reg and e-source. She doesn't live here. She lives in Missouri, but she's was one of our better students from the CRC Academy. So I hired her to set up Creo. So I at least outsourced one aspect so far. I'm not ready yet. I need to bring an MA and kind of train them like you did yeah. uh, on doing the studies. But um that's coming. That's coming. Yeah. We got to find the patient to actually qualify. I had three screen fills in a row, man. That's all I have to show Ooh. for it so far is the the startup payment and three yeah. screen fails in a row. <laughs> but it'll come. It'll it's come. Common. Yeah, yeah. And that's what people need to understand. Like it's doesn't. It's kind of anticlimactic. I mean, even before we started recording, I asked you like, when did you start? It's not like you have a date. You know, right. it's just. It kind of just started, like the doctor says yes, and then you get to work. But, I mean, how do you define when it started? When they said yes, or when you decided you're going to start, or when you got your first study, or right. when you got your first patient in the study? I mean, who knows how you're going to define that, right? You just started. Yep. It's the same way with anything in life, man. It's like confidence. Like, when, at what point do you become confident in something? You know, it's just like accumulation of a bunch of small things. And then one day you just realize, okay, I, I feel confident in this. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's like you said, man, it's, and I'll say it again, it's messy. And just understanding that you have to be flexible. You will be CEO and janitor. You will be coordinator. You will be regulatory. You will be BD. You will be all of the things that you thought you were going to outsource or pay somebody to do. You will do them, you know, or you have a rich uncle somewhere. But uh, <laughs> if you don't, you know, you're going to wear a lot of hats. And that's one thing that I'll say this too. We, we do when we hire, we, we still come in the door and say, listen, you know, this might be your job title, but you have to understand we wear hats in this company and it's a part of our company culture. And so, yeah. you know, it's something that we, we preach and we've had good success so far. Well, the next challenge I haven't got there and you're there is retaining employees, right? Like, yeah. Just, just like anyone else in this industry, I mean, it's a hot market, right? So you got a lead coordinator, you trained, it's your job to make sure they stay there. And that means right. being a good boss and helping them grow their career better, showing them that it's better with you than with someone else. Right. Um, so that's the next challenge. Now, how does your, can you, I guess as we wrap up, we got to do more, but how's your company structured? Like how many PIs? How many sites um, do you have your own space yet or is still in the, the offices? Yep. So I do have my own space. And it's kind of funny you said that because we, as of this week, um, we, we kind of have our own space. We have two locations. We have a space in Columbus uh, and we have a space in Carrollton. Um, and we have a new space here in Columbus that we, we've been moving in into this week. So we have three PIs. Um, we're, we're looking to expand a little bit more east. Uh, East Coast uh, for for those that are from the other side that don't. I'm talking about East Coast Georgia, uh, and so you know we're looking at that. We but at the same time we want to be smart and and stabilizing the sites that we have now, you know, and not just throwing somebody up there just because we can. Or you know we want to be smart about it. So um, uh, two sites, three doctors, three coordinators, um, and a lot of motivation. <laughs> mm. 
are the doctors, and you don't have to share if you don't want to, but are they wanting, are they business partners or are they contractors? Um, how did you structure that? It's all uh, contractors. I'm the, I'm the sole, sole owner. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to keep that autonomy. I'm going to keep that, that ownership for certainly because as I share early in this, man, um, it's more than just making some dollars for me. I'm trying to make an impact. And, um, you know, um, so I, I don't want the influence from somebody's investment to type, type try to dictate, you know, you know, my perspective, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah. Every, every, those guys are all contracts. Okay. And then, so you have the two, the office you started out in, that's the doctor's private practice. Mm -hmm. And then you rented your own space. And now in the other city, uh, about an hour and a half drive from you is another doctor's office, right? right. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's a whole nother podcast right there is like yeah. when you're the new guy in a doctor's private, like I'm here, I got to lower my voice, but like there's a whole culture that they can care less about yeah. what you got going on, you know, and it's, it's your job. To, I'm like you, I'm friendly. So I like talk to this MAs and I got them helping me out now too. But initially it's like, you know, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? You can't have Wi-Fi password or anything like that. Now I'm doing Zoom interviews in here for the podcast. It don't matter. But early on, it's like, you know, people are a little, little touchy. And that's all. That could be a whole episode right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll be back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to share on that. Yeah. A yeah. lot. But I think it takes the right kind of personality because you and I both know other CRAs that we've worked with that would not do well as site owners because they're so, so rigid, right? Like everything has to go their way or like, they don't know how to react. And like you said, as a site owner, it's more like, uh, your flight gets, gets canceled and you gotta still make it home somehow. Right. right. <laughs> or, to that, or to that next visit. You know what I mean? Like that's not the next visit. Yeah. You know? So no, you're right, man. Um, you, you you definitely want if you if you do desire to be a site owner, please ask people that know you that really know you get get their perspective and you know because you're gonna need you you're going to need as a characteristic flexibility you're gonna need that you're gonna have to be amiable agreeable people are gonna have to want to work with you because I'll, I'll just say this real quick what Dan's talking about walking into somebody else's space is like walking into somebody else's home you know yeah. and they'll tell you hey. They'll tell you, hey, make yourself at home. But even that saying has its own restrictions, right? You're not going to jump <laughs> in their bed. Or, you know, <laughs> so, you know it ha so you just have to be conscientious and be, you know, wise and be respectful um, and, and just, you know, work on building those relationships. But I, I said again, relationships are the key. They it's certainly the are the key. key. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're absolutely right. Relationships, not just with sponsors and your PI, but with, the people that work for your PI, even though they don't work for you, right? You still have to have relationships with them uh, yep. and and respect their their situation. Um, man, Jay, we can do this for like two more hours. Uh, we got to do it in person one of these days. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, one of us got to make the trip. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of us does, but everybody connect with Jay. You still do LinkedIn, like underneath yeah. the okay. Yeah. So connect with Jay. It's very interesting to follow your career, and 
Oh, I guess the last thing I want to ask is, do you think you could have done this had you just been a CRA and not been a coordinator? Um, yes, I could have. Could I have done it as successfully? No. No. Okay. I, 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 it's the same as a CRA. Um, there is some, I don't know if I shared this in the last podcast or not, but there is a, uh, uh, almost a saying or a belief as a CRA um, that coordinators always make the best CRAs. That's kind of like a universal saying or belief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, coming into it, you know, I, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I was a coordinator and I became a CRA. But working with those that became CRAs before coordinators, I fully agree. Um, because in it, to dumb it down, you see things from other people's perspective. You know, even from the simple fact of being empathetic. You know, you, you remember, you see a, a coordinator that's, that's running around doing 50,000 things because, you know, her boss decided to put 12 studies on her. You remember stuff like that. You know, you remember, yeah. you, know, what, you know, working through a lunch or taking a short lunch or, you know, you, you got to get up. You've sat down for 15 minutes to eat and you got to get up because the patient decided to come in early. You know, little stuff like that. You, you don't forget those type of things. So um, I think having the life. Um, I shouldn't say life skills, but the personal skills on how to deal with people um, from a CR, excuse me, from a CRC, a coordinated standpoint, so much more prepares you for CRA. And then the combination of those two, you know, makes you a successful site owner. Mm-hmm. That's a good answer, man. I agree. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you on that. Uh, absolutely. Because now that I'm doing it again, you know, we have CRAs, they say, oh, you know what, you forgot a, FDF, a financial disclosure for one of your sub-eyes. Well, that doesn't sound like much, but to me, if if I'm 20 miles away from my site there you go. and my that sub-eye is not there except like Thursdays, now I got to wait till next week right. on Thursday to go. And that's now I have to like not do other things. Right. For you, it's just a signature on a right. paper. For me, it's like I got to rearrange my week right. to make that happen. So that's like a small example of what what you're talking about, but absolutely, I would agree with you 100, percent Jay. Yeah, man, this is good. We got to do more, Jay. Uh, so, oh, yeah. everybody, connect with Jay. Link to his LinkedIn underneath, um, and we'll we'll do part two, part three. I mean, this is just a. I feel like we'll grow all together in this industry, yeah. Jay. Uh, <laughs> one of these days, we'll meet up at a conference or something. Or a basketball game, or we'll make it happen. Uh, you know, I'm switch. I'm switching to the Mavs. That Luka Doncic is something else, man. I'm I'm becoming a huge fan. He's something serious. Hey, you guys got one too. I don't know if you're Atlanta Hawks, but Trey Young. I have his rookie card. He's a good one. He's yeah. a good one too. Yeah, I follow Trey. I'm a Magic fan. I'm originally from Orlando. So I'm a Magic fan. Ah, okay. Yeah, I keep up with the Hawks quite a bit, man. He's those kids are growing, man, quickly. Yeah, they but are. We'll do something. We'll do something. All right, cool, man. Well, everybody go connect with Jay underneath um, questions about anything, but site owner, other site owners network. Yep. We'll definitely do some networking too, Jay. Yep. Um, and we'll be in touch, Guru Nation. Thank you so much for watching and listening, everybody.